job, George. Thank you. It is a wonderful thing when God's people are open to let God work through their lives and pour through them. Uh, I, I want to thank you with Pastor Appreciation Month. Last month, many of you sent cards and and um, gift cards to us and showed your love. And I, we we love you. I appreciate your your grateful hearts and uh, it's a real encouragement um, to be a church that's loving. And I'm grateful for that. It's not a give me. So thank you. Uh, I do want to make one mention before we get into the message. Uh, you'll notice in the bulletin there's mention of an upcoming prayer ministry that we want to start in this coming year. There'll be more about that. And I have a sign-up sheet that's out on one of the doors. The encouragement is to have someone once a quarter, so we need 13 people, to be in the prayer room while the rest of us are gathered to worship. And we're going to set up the prayer room um, to have uh, some some helps in leading in prayer, different parts of the worship service, scriptures, prayers, different things. And, uh, you know, maybe you're willing to do that. Maybe you want somebody to be with you, a, a partner, an encourager. Um, uh, certainly nothing wrong with the two people being in there, but we'd like to meet that goal because I believe God works in answer to prayer. And so it's just an encouragement for us, for someone to visibly be back there praying. And, and of course, we'll go ahead and have prayer guides out too for those who want to pray during the week for the worship service. But be thinking about that in the coming weeks. Like I said, I want to kick that off first part of January. Just be in prayer with that. See if it's something you may be willing to, God drawing you to once a quarter to be back in the prayer room in prayer. So let's open our Bibles to Daniel. Chapter 7 is this morning. We are going to, we'll actually look at a couple of scriptures uh, from Daniel uh, seven fifteen through the end of the chapter as we're going to look at the issue of the Antichrist, the beast. Uh, and so Daniel 7, verses starting at verse 15, I ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor as I read from the text. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, and most terrifying, with its iron teeth, bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched the horn waging war against the saints and defeating them, until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down, crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. 
He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress His saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to Him for a time, times and a half a time. But the court will sit and His power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints. The people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. And my face turned pale. But I kept the matter to myself. Let's pray. Father, as we bow our hearts to you, the living God, we have a hope. The scripture calls it a blessed hope. And it is the hope of Jesus Christ. We know that tough days are ahead, but we're grateful that they're not going to catch you by surprise. And through Jesus Christ, Father, you have given us what we need. Your mercy is abundant, more than we can express. Father, as we look at this coming world dictator, the final one in place before you reign for all time, I just pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, that we examine where we are to make sure, Father, that we are right with you and that we listen to your truth and your word. So guide our time together. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I think we all have our days where we think, Lord Jesus, come. Please come. Sometimes uh, the struggle, sometimes what we face can be so consuming, so heartbreaking. And we always need to be reminded that in Jesus Christ, a victory awaits. And turn with me to, I, I want to look to that classic scripture in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And listen to this, I'll just run through this for a minute, verses 13 through 18, that remind us of what we refer to as the rapture that is around the corner. He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. You see, we're not to grieve as those who are without hope. What's that mean? Obviously, we have hope. What's the hope? Well, he goes on. We believe Jesus died and rose again. And so those who have fallen asleep in him, God will bring with Jesus. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, we who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. And then we read about this marvelous truth about this coming of our Lord For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back at a time that we can't nail the exact moment. So our job is to stay close to him. 
to trust in Him and to believe in Him. And, and guys, in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be this meeting of our Lord. Because we're called up in the clouds to meet Him. And if you've read the Left Behind books or seen any of the movies or thought about what a crazy time it is going to be when God removes His people from this place, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be crazy. And are you ready? I, I have a it, just a little one-minute video called Rapture in the Church. I want to just show. It gives us some thinking about how important it is to make sure you're ready, even in church. Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore... For you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... place to be but there is one better place it's in christ you see you can be in church but not necessarily be in christ and you know as as that showed it's going to be such a time of chaos when that occurs and people look around and say oh i've been left behind and and and, and there's going to be people looking for answers people looking for truth and out of this one is going to arise promising answers and he's going to be a dictator uh it's defined as this a person granted with absolute emergency power there's going to be so much pain such hopelessness that this world dictator is going to rise seemingly out of nowhere and take control and, and people are going to uh, flock there and to try to find answers. And this morning I want to look at four truths that we see in the scripture about this one, this world dictator. First, he'll be wanted. He won't be rejected. People will want him to take charge. They're not going to push him away. They're, they're going to draw him near. You know, you think, how in the world could that happen after World War II and what happened with Hitler? And Germany was in such a desperate place and they were looking for someone to, to lift that nation and to lift the spirits of the people because there was such a sense of hopelessness. And we know as a result what happened now. But if it happened then, it can certainly happen again. And, and we live in a hopeless time, but it's going to get even more hopeless Around the world as people look for those answers. You know what amazes me even here now? I've heard several times that we think of how our nation is so wealthy and so blessed. And yet I've heard a number of times that one out of six American children go to bed hungry. In our own land. There's a sense of despair. So let's look at, at these. And not only will he be wanted, not rejected. He's going to be appealing. He's not going to be repulsive the word antichrist usually we see any we think of opposite of 
but it can also mean in place of. You see, this one, he's going to uh, seek to be as much like Christ as he can be. His desire is to take the place of the promised one, of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And he is going to come making these bold promises. He's going to come with a power, with a charisma, with uh, something about him that's very appealing. And he's able to do that, guys, because he he's not just an ordinary person. Look in verse 24. As we read about him, it says, After then another king arise different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He's not ordinary. He's extraordinary. He's going to have the oratorical skills of, of a great speaker. You know, whoever we want to put in that place, Churchill or, or other world leaders, and, and able to portray a, a great sense of vision that people can can connect to and, and want to join and be a part of as they're able to hear him. He's, he's going to make sense in their minds as, as they're desperate. And, and that charisma, people are going to be so drawn to him with an electric appeal. And, and he's going to be smart. He's going to have a sense of a genius about him where it appears he has the answers in that desperate day where people can run and, and they can find hope. He will be a Gentile and not a Jew as we look in the book of Daniel, his visions, his dreams come out of not Jewish history, but come out of the Gentile world as, as God makes these revelations and, and as he reveals. And it's going to be a gradual, natural flow of events as, as this happens, as he rises to prominence, as he comes to the throne. Look at verse 24 as we read about him. Um, he says, after them, another king will arise different from the earlier ones. It says he'll speak against the most high. He's going to attack the most high. He's going to speak in a way that it, it, to seek to defy the living God and to oppress his saints, we read. And he tries to set times and laws to change that which is instituted by our most high God in his word and his scriptures and in his truth. He wants to take that place of supremacy. And it tells us the saints will be handed over to him for a time, times and a half a time, which speaks to that time of tribulation that is coming, that time of suffering that will appear as he tries to take a throne that he doesn't deserve. Go over a chapter to chapter 8 and we read about him and his power and starting at verse 23 it says in the latter part of their reign when rebels have become completely wicked a stern-faced king <laughs> this is how he's described a stern-faced king a master of intrigue will arise he will become very strong but not by his own power he will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He'll destroy the mighty men and the holy people. Notice what verse 25. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed not by human 
He will be one that's mighty. He will have intrigue. He will cause devastation. And it will look as if he is one. It will look as if he is the victorious one. Turn me to 2 Thessalonians. As we go back to Thessalonians. Look at chapter 2. As we have a warning and a description of that coming one. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying the day of the Lord has already come. Now, he comes to verse 3, he says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. And, and this is speaking about this man, this last world dictator, this one of power, this one described as the beast or the antichrist. It, notice what it says about him. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. He refers to himself as the hope, as the blessed hope, as the one to trust, as the one to have faith in. Now, turn me to Revelation 13. We're going to look at a couple of sections of Scripture in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Starting at verse I mean, in chapter 13, we read about this beast. We read about this one. He says, I, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns. And on each head, a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard. He had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. Sound familiar? We've been looking in the book of Daniel. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Now, the dragon in scriptures refers to Satan, to the devil himself, the source of the power of this beast. It is not just him alone, but it comes from the great enemy of all, the adversary, Satan, Lucifer. It says, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. There's a picture here in the scripture that there's a counterfeit resurrection. There's this fatal wound that will occur to this world leader, to this one who is worshipped, to this one who has set himself up to be the Holy One, the, the Messiah, the coming one. And he's fatally wounded and it looks like he is resurrected from the grave, from the dead. But obviously this is just a simulation of a resurrection, not a, a true resurrection as, as he places himself in a prime position of power. It says the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise his authority for 42 months. Look what he says. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. What a, what a terrible, tragic time that'll be. And so you ask yourself, where are these uh, saints coming from that are still on the earth? I thought they were all taken up into heaven. They were, but we have such a merciful God that even after the rapture, even after the church, God's people are removed. God still loves people. The gospel will still be available and there will still be those 
who say, man, I need Jesus, and will bow their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ, and the mercy will be given to them, but they've still got to go through a terrible time. We don't want to go through a terrible time. It's best to do business with God now, not to try to, to wait till that day, but there will be that time where He will show mercy even in the tribulation in those terrible times, and there will be those who place their faith in Christ, become a part of the church. And that's what He's referring to. These people will go through a, a terrible time. Uh, verse 7, it says, He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Well, what a horrible time that'll be. It says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. What a devastating time that is approaching that is spoken of here. And let, me, let me make one mention here as, a, as I begin to uh, close this out about the 666 as mentioned in the scripture. Uh, starting at verse 16 of chapter 13, there's mention of that. So let's just take a moment and look at that. Um, he says, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead. Why? Well, verse 17, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the name of the beast or the number that represented his name this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. So in some way we don't properly know, there will be required this mark of the beast, his name, this number 666 that signifies that name. You won't be able to get food. You won't be able to get what you need unless you have this mark of the beast. Unless you have this mark that shows you trust him. You place your confidence in Him and that you're part of the design that He has set up. And, you know, there's been many who have talked about this, talked about the different technology to make this possible. And, and you know, quite honestly, I could try to use some of those examples, but technology changes so fast that probably whatever technology I gave you to represent this, there's something that's even more amazing than whatever example I gave you to represent this. But the key to it is simply that there will be a mark. And that mark will be necessary if you're going to get something to eat. And so there's going to be this time of defiance that, that people are going to have to deal with, with this beast, this antichrist, this one who rules. But how will it all wind up as we close here? Turn a couple of chapters over to Revelation 19. We're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Or 19 through 21, he says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered to make war against the rider on the horse and his army, that great war. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive, into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with a sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. One day he will be placed 
in that dungeon. One day he will be placed in captivity as Christ will take his rightful throne and all that we know is right will be right. And the beast will be defeated. So what do we do in the meantime? Uh, We need to keep a keen eye on what is going on around us as there are these signs that point to this coming time. And, And we need to keep a keen eye on what does happen in the Middle East as God's plan unfolds. And we need to be ready. The Bible says watch and pray. The big thing is there's no grandchildren in heaven. And each of us has to take a look and see who is Jesus to me. Not to you, to me. Is he my savior? Is he my hope? Is he my Messiah? Because we know what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And without Christ, we're going to be earthbound when that rapture comes. Without Christ, we're in trouble. We need a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. As we've taken time to uh, take a snapshot at this coming world dictator, this beast, the Father. We thank you that we have Jesus. I pray here, Father, for anyone who has procrastinated, who has heard about you and said later, I'll turn to him later, I'll trust him later. Father, your word is really clear. There is only one way to eternal life with you, and it's Jesus. And at any moment, we could die, we could face eternity and, and then there would not be that chance to trust you. Or any moment you could return. And just like that video, Lord, we, some of us could be headed that way and some of us could be here. We need to figure this out, Lord. We need to turn to you. We, we need to seek your help. And, and so, Father, I just pray in this time we call invitation and response that we would just be honest. And say, have I bowed my life to Jesus Christ? Have I asked him to forgive me of my sin and to enter my heart and to take charge of my life? And if the answer to that is no, now's the time to do it. I pray you do that work, Father. You know each of us. Um, Speak to our hearts and may we just say yes to your call. We also have an altar open, Lord. People may need to come and pray. Father, do that. Or maybe just to pray right where we are. You know us, you know our needs. You, you, Father, died for that. And, uh, Father, we just come to you and we ask that you have your way in our remaining moments. In Christ's name we pray.